Hey, what's up, everyone? Antonio Neves here. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Thing podcast. We have listeners from around the world, and we are hitting the charts in places like Belgium, Iceland, in places like Lithuania, in places like Singapore and beyond. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I want to hear from you. So if you happen to be in the States, one way you can do this is by text messaging me. Like text message me, let me know what you think about the podcast, what guests you want to see on it, what I can do to improve it, you name it. So you can text me at the number 310-564-7124. Once again, text me 310-564-7124 and let me know what you think about the podcast, how I can improve it, who you want to see on it, you name it. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, I got a feeling you like it. So right now, hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're listening on. If you truly, truly, truly dig it like I know you do, how about you take a few moments to write a short review? Uh, that would mean the world to me. So do that. And lastly, you know what? You probably know someone who would really appreciate this podcast. And if you do, how about you share this with a a family member, uh, someone in your community, one of your work colleagues, a neighbor, just let them know about the best thing so as many people as possible can hear it. Okay, that's it. Without further ado, get ready for this amazing episode with Sal Sankata. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to ever happen to them that would rarely show up on a resume, bio, or come up in conversation. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm a speaker author and coach. And each week I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. Now this week's guest is someone I met a few years back when I hosted a class he was teaching and I was immediately blown away. I was like something about how this guy rolls is just different. Sal Sankata is a world-renowned photographer who travels the world documenting his clients' most cherished life moments. As founder of Salvatore Sincata Photography Studio and publisher of Shutter Magazine, his work has been published in magazines around the globe. Now, Sal has photographed everyone from President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama to professional sports teams, including the St. Louis Cardinals, along with various celebrities. Now, Sal and his team are dedicated to innovating and reinventing both the photography business and their creative approach to the art form. Sal Sincata, welcome to The Best Thing. Thanks for having me, man. It's a joy to have you. I mentioned when we worked together on a, on a course many years ago that I was hosting, I was immediately blown away by you because you did show up a little bit different. You have what I call this this forward-leaning energy. And lately, Sal, I've been watching this Michael Jordan documentary that everyone's talking about on ESPN. And I got to say, when I look at the work ethic and how Michael Jordan showed up, it makes me think about how I saw you on that set, how I see you move uh, in this world with your business. And personally, could, could you talk to me just a little bit about 
your mindset, your approach, and, and how you develop this uh, amazing work ethic? Yeah, I, I mean, thank you. You're too kind. I'll, I'll take the comparison to Jordan any day of the week. Um, <laughs> the, I think work ethic, you know, as, and by the way, when we talk work ethic, it's not just uh, to be an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you've got to have work ethic, whether you're at a corporate job, whether you're at a $10 an hour job. I mean, where, wherever you're working, wherever you are in your life, work ethic is, uh, it's a habit and you've got to bring that with you. You can't just turn it, you know, on and off. And, um, I don't know. I think my fear of failure is what really drives my work ethic. I don't want to fail. I don't like failing. Uh, I was never raised with excuses. Uh, so I don't, I don't really have that to fall back on. You know, we all have people in our lives who like, there's always a reason, uh, something's not going the way it should. It's never them. Uh, it's always something else, someone else. And I, I don't have that luxury. And so that fire that is inside of me is waking up every day and not wanting to fail, not wanting to fail myself, my family, uh, my peers, my, my, my fiance, there's all this pressure uh, that's on me every single day. And, and uh, it's good pressure, I think, you know, it's not, I don't want to curl up and cry, but it's good pressure because it, it keeps you sharp, I think. Yeah, I mean, you say obviously the fear of failure, but when I looked at you, what I saw is a dude whose mindset is, is one of, I'm going to win. And, and I yes. love just seeing that how you show up. And also on, on that note, Sal, something you do that's very unique, man, is you're willing to have an opinion. You're willing to stand for something. And I'm sure that's caused you some friction in your industry. And I'm sure you got some haters and some folks that <laughs> no doubt. are a little bit jealous of your success. Just Google Sal Sankata and you'll see the, the amazing work that this man has done over the years. Um, and we were even laughing, Sal, before we hit record and how you're opening up a brand new uh, sweets shop in your, in your neighborhood of, uh, in the St. Louis area. And you're unabashedly telling folks like, look, we're going to have gluten. Don't come here. If you're <laughs> vegan, don't come here if you're gluten free. But the question is though, tell me about your willingness to have an opinion and stand for something. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's funny. It's funny you say that because you're, you're so right in that, that matters. Having an opinion uh, matters. All I know is every day when I go to bed, I want to be able to look myself in the mirror and be proud of the day I left behind me, if that makes any sense. Uh, I want to be true to myself. I want to be true to my core values. And, you know, sometimes that means you're going to piss some people off, but I definitely don't want to go through life every day worrying about making people happy by saying the right thing or the wrong thing, or it keep, then you, you lose, you lose your identity, Antonio. And as a human, and I don't want to lose my identity. I want to be, I want to be me. And you either like me, right? I mean, come on. Can you really say there's anybody out there who makes everybody happy? I mean, maybe Santa Claus, but I'm sure Santa Claus pisses some people off too. Um, so you get my point, right? So my thought is, well, if I'm going to piss people off, I'm going to piss them off and I'm going to be true to me. And that's kind of my mindset with all that. Well, I'm curious, before we segue to the question about the best thing is, how did that work for you prior to becoming an entrepreneur, building multiple successful businesses over the years, <laughs> finding your way on these ink, you know, top 5,000 lists that are, as a guy who's written for ink.com, knowing how challenging it is to get on those lists. How did that mindset, Sal, who you are, how did that work when you worked in corporate America before you made the transition <laughs> to doing your own thing? Uh, I'm, I'm laughing already because it... Um... I'm already remembering a story. My, my corporate pedigree uh, is uh, I worked for Procter & Gamble 
and, uh, and uh, Microsoft. So two very well-known uh, fortune companies. Um, and this is a true story, Antonio. I'm on my first week on the job, fresh out of college at Procter and Gamble. Uh, and I'm sitting in a meeting and I, I, I wish I could go back and talk to my old self and just tell him to shut up. Um, so the, there's a woman in the room and she says something about technology, right? Cause my background is IT. She says something about technology. Everybody in the room is just nodding their head. Yes. And I'm sitting there going, thinking to myself, I'm like, that's wrong. What she was saying was fundamentally wrong. doesn't matter what it was. It was just wrong. Right. And, uh, I, I actually said out loud, I'm like, actually, that's not correct. And there was this gasp in the room. And it's like in a movie. Everybody looks at you like, are you stupid? You shut your mouth. Um, but nobody said it. It was just a look, right? Um, and uh, I started to argue with her. And uh, I was right. Um, but that didn't matter. Meeting's over. Turns out the person I was challenging in the room was one of the senior vice presidents of Procter & Gamble. And uh, my boss pulled me to the side and he goes, okay, first of all, you were right. Second of all, you don't challenge the vice president when they're saying something. And uh, that really happened. And uh, I've never, never changed my, my strategy. I've always been the same. If, if something's wrong, I'm going to say it. Uh, and when you're in corporate, you're going to piss some people off when you do that. Yeah, I can only imagine the way people looked at you, but I appreciate you being true to you and also who you are. Now, again, once again, before we transition to, to the question of the best thing, I want to ask you about something else that really stands out to me. Of course, if folks hear your, uh, your accent, I think they're going to know you're not from the greater St. Louis area where you happen to, to live now, but you're, you're a native uh, New Yorker. With that said, though, one thing I love about your work, Sal, especially when I Google you, is how true you are to the St. Louis area. I know you live in an area called O'Fallon. And I think so many people who want to start businesses, you know, start new endeavors, they think they have to be in the hotbed of a major city, whether it's New York City or a Chicago or a um, LA, et cetera. Not that St. Louis is small, but what I love is that you've done work that gets critical acclaim across the globe. Your work has taken you across the globe. Can you just speak briefly about how you can build, do what you want to do, wherever you are? Yeah, it, to me, it just comes back to a, a, another excuse, right? Um, we are in, we're 15 minutes out of St. Louis. We're in a small town. It's a, it's a very nice town. I love it here. I call it home. Um, but it is, make no mistake, it is middle America, small, small town. And here we are, you know, this kind of like photography studio, uh, creating video and, and, and still images and doing marketing campaigns. And you know, people, we're going up against New York City agencies, LA agencies, and we're winning. Um, and it just goes to show you create and control your own destiny. If you sit there and tell yourself it can't be done because I'm in a small town, it can't be done because I'm a nobody, it can't be done because, 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 well, you're kind of manifesting your own destiny. And I, I know we've all heard that before. And, and sometimes I think people don't realize what that means, but that negativity that's in your head, uh, it can work for you and be a motivator. You know, when this started, I said my, my fear of failure, um, but it doesn't paralyze me. For me, it's something I use to keep me sharp because that fear is motivating me versus debilitating me. And I, and I think that's what people have to realize. If you want success in corporate, in the creative world, as an entrepreneur, doesn't matter where, 
You can do it from your basement. I started my business in my basement here in O'Fallon, Illinois. Uh, or you can do it you know, from the big skyscrapers of New York City. Uh, but you control your own destiny and, and you just got to go out and grab it. You know, it's not, no one's going to hand it to you. Uh, you're not entitled to it. Uh, you got to go out there and say, I want this and I will not stop until I get it. Yeah. And it's obvious that you believe that 100% with how you roll and the things that I've saw just watching your business continually grow over the years. And so those are good reminders for not just me, but for everyone listening to this right now. So let, let's transition to the question uh, for this podcast about the best thing. Sal, what would you say is one of the best things to ever happen to you that may not be one of those traditional markers of success that, that maybe not show, may not show up on the bio, the resume, or easily come up in conversation that has had a, an impact on your life and, and how you roll today? Yeah, there's, there's two things uh, in, uh, that, that come to mind, and I, I didn't really prepare for this. Um, you know, we talked about it 10 seconds before you hit record. There's two things that come immediately to mind uh, that, you know, won't come up in normal conversa conversation, uh, are not there when you look at where we are today. I, I think it's very easy to look at where someone is today in their career, in their life, and use that as the measuring stick of success. And, and there's probably truth to it. I mean, sure, we have accomplishments, accolades, awards, all these things. We didn't start there. Um, you know, there was a path to get there. And the, and the question you're, you're driving at is, you know, what's that thing uh, that you would consider the best thing to happen? Uh, but I would imagine in most cases, it's the worst thing that's happened to somebody uh, that's led to where they are today, the destination. And for me, I'd have to say growing up poor is probably the single most profound thing that has shaped who I am as a, as a person. And, and I want to explain what that, what that means because it's, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who've grown up with, with nothing. I mean, of course there is. We grew up, I still have vivid memories of opening a refrigerator that was empty. I mean, I'm talking about like soy sauce uh, packets, ketchup packets that were left over, maybe two slices of deli meat. Um, I still remember electricity being turned off. I still remember not having enough money uh, for clothes uh, for school. I've never forgotten those things. That shaped, I think, the future, Sal, not having. Does that make sense? It makes a 100% um, uh, sense. And I'm curious, what was the messaging around that with your family? Because you mentioned earlier, you're raised uh, to never have excuses. Um, so what was the dynamic you were experiencing at home in the midst of just seeing that, that soy, those soy sauce packets and ketchup packages in the fridge? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting now that I reflect upon it. I, I didn't come from a family that um, was woe is me in mentality, meaning, you know, we didn't open the refrigerator and, the, you, know, my, you know, you'd open the refrigerator and my mother would be like, well, that's because your father didn't do, you know, blah, blah, blah. Your father's a lazy bum. Uh, well, that's because, you know, they, they laid me off on my job. None of that was ever spoken, right? And those are all, they might be reality, but they are reasons why things are there. It was just, you know, we, we just kind of lived life. Like if there was nothing there, we'd have to figure out how to eat. You know, we'd have to figure out how to get the electricity back on. It was never there as a crutch. Maybe that's the, the better word 
to use. We just understood it was our life and where we were, and we didn't have money to pay our bills. It was no one's fault. Um, so I never grew up looking for someone to blame for something. Instead, we looked for ways to solve the problem. How do we get food in the fridge? How do we get the electricity turned back on? And look, I, I don't have kids. I'm not a parent. But I, I'd like to think that those moments, you know, my mother was teaching me, and she probably doesn't even know she did it, or, and there was no thought, right? I don't think you read about this in a book. But she was teaching me how to problem solve without realizing that's what she was doing. And when I look at where my life is today, daily, I'm problem solving. Like you can't be an entrepreneur. I, I mean, COVID-19 and what's going on now, turning entrepreneurs and businesses on their head. Man, you better be good at problem solving right now, right? You, you, need, you need solutions. And one other thing that you know, happened during that time uh, was my mother was, as we were living in poverty, complete poverty, I was being, um, I was being exposed to what wealth was. So my mom uh, was um, an admin on Wall Street. So she worked on Wall Street, right? You, you know the money that's on Wall Street. Yeah. Um, needless to say, we didn't have it, but there'd be parties on the weekend that she'd get invited to, you know, at someone's house on uh, out on Long Island. We didn't have a, a boat. We didn't have a rowboat in Brooklyn, New York. You know, I was, I was running around in front of a fire hydrant to, to cool off in the summer. Um, and so you start seeing these things and getting exposed to these things. And I think that makes you, as a child, start aspiring to bigger and better things. And I think those things just start adding up. And, but if not for that, I don't think I'd have the hunger I have today. Even at 50 years old, I don't think I'd, I'd have the same hunger, drive, determination if I had everything handed to me as a kid. Wow. I mean, hearing that makes my brain go so many different ways that specifically the being exposed to wealth. I can think about my upbringing, being raised with not a lot of resources and what it felt like sometimes that uncomfortableness to be in, in areas where there was wealth when people had certain things. But you mentioned when that refrigerator was empty, when the lights were turned off, you name it, how, you know, you had to figure it out. That was, that was the mentality in your household. And you made me think about all those years where I worked as a, as a business journalist, interviewing top CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs. And one thing that was unique that I learned about these men and women that always blew me away, Sal, that I'm sure you're, sure you're going to relate to is that sometimes, sometimes the people who didn't have the biggest budgets, that didn't have the biggest staff, sometimes had the biggest breakthroughs. And someone told me a long time ago that sometimes constraints can be an asset to an entrepreneur because you do have to get creative with your problem solving. Could you talk a little bit about how, whether it's from a, a business perspective, how constraints, I'm thinking maybe earlier on for you as you were starting this business, how constraints, limitations, lack of dollars and cents created a certain amount of ingenuity and creativity in the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you're, you're spot on, you know, it's, it's that hustler mentality, like you've got to, once you pull back the negativity of excuses, right? Then, then that kind of kicks in another part of your brain where you're going, okay, we got to solve this problem. How can we solve this problem? Right. And you start becoming a MacGyver of, uh, you know, of business, right. And you're, you're, whether it's how you're going to reuse a resource, how you're going to slow down one resource, add more of another, uh, call in a favor here, put in sweat equity there. Um, you know, those are the things that a hustler's mindset is there, you know, and it's funny because even at this point of my, in my career, um, I'm a creative, you know, I, we do video production, we do uh, still production. 
Uh, we do commercial work. It's not uncommon for me to do pro bono work, right? To do some kind of free work if it's going to get, if that sweat equity is going to help me, you know, uh, launch further in another area. And that's, that's also an interesting conversation I have with young creatives is they don't quite understand, you know, well, I'm not working for free. That just devalues my, my worth. No, that's some shit your parents told you. Now you're in the real world. And in the real world, you got to do what you have to do to get ahead of the competition. And if you don't, if you don't understand that and can't wrap your mind around it, you're forever going to be in this like weird place of like what you're worth you're not worth anything to somebody who can't see the value in, in you, right? It's like, it's like when they were selling Beanie Babies, right? For like $5,000, like, dude, a Beanie Baby's not worth $5,000. And now you can get a Beanie Baby on eBay for like probably 75 cents. Why? Because no one sees value in a Beanie Baby. Uh, 15 years ago, maybe they did. I, I think it's the same kind of mindset for you as, a, as an employee, as a creative uh, you've got to show people your value. And that's that hustler trait. You've got to get out there. Stop assuming, stop expecting, stop feeling entitled. Success is not something you're entitled to. You're entitled to the pursuit of that success. And that's where you got to go out there and hustle. Man, so many gyms. I'm so sorry I'm being long-winded in my answers. Oh, are you kidding me, man? You're dropping so many gyms right there. I'm just sitting there scribbling down notes, make sure not to miss those questions because people will email me and say, how come you didn't follow up and ask Sal about so-and-so? But you said something about you better be good at problem solving. And that's something that obviously you're great at. And I'm guessing you're great at decision-making as well. And I, mean, I know not all decisions go as we planned, but I like to remind people sometimes that not making a decision is making a decision. So there's so many people waiting on the sidelines for other people to make decisions as opposed to them making that decision. I'm just curious though with you as it relates to you better be good at problem solving. You know, with your staff, how do you hire? How do you determine who's gonna be, you know, in your quote unquote army? And that problem solving you're talking about, Sal, is that something you figure out right there in that job interview? Or do you believe it's something that you're able to train uh, the talented men and women that you work with? Oh man, that's a, that's an awesome question. It's um, when we are hiring and interviewing, we actually rarely look at a resume. And um, I, I, I don't know how many hiring managers would agree with me, but this will be interesting when you hear my philosophy on this, it, man, I can, I interviewed at Microsoft. The, my, a lot of people don't know this. The Microsoft interview that I had was a 12 hour interview. I was interviewed by 10 different people over a 12 hour window. And if more than two people said no during that interview, I was removed from the uh, interview process and it was kill or be killed through the interview uh, process. And a little bit of my pedigree and methodology, it comes from that. So what I'm looking for is really not what's on your resume. And I'm looking for, can you coexist with our team? I'm really looking at your personality your thought process, not what you have written on a piece of paper, because you can write whatever you want on a piece of paper. And then we get you into the job and, and you just, you crumble. Um, and so it's not without mistakes. I mean, we've had bad hires, but I think hiring for the right personality, there's a lot of things you can teach people um, if they have the right personality, but you could be book smart, be the smartest guy in the room, smartest girl in the room, but you can't work within a team environment and you're going to fail miserably here. Is that making sense? Am I connecting those dots? That makes complete sense. And something you bring up is, you know, as I've 
prepared and help folks over the years prepare for interviews, I, I always ask them, what are the, the three things this person interviewing you must know before you leave that room that would never show up on the resume? Because, you know, if your resume or your LinkedIn profile looks like someone else, who knows if they may get the job, but what are those unique things, those characteristics that they must know about you? So no, I think that makes complete sense, Sal. But I want to go even a level further because as I was doing research preparing for our interview today, there was a word that showed up in a couple of places on, on your website, Sal, that really jumped out to me. And I just want to hear your perspective on it. As you were describing your team, you prefaced the word team with, my, I think he said my, my loyal, the loyal team. Hmm. Talk to me about the word loyalty, uh, because I read a lot of bios, whether it's for companies or for individuals, but very rarely do I see them preference the team, the staff with the word loyal. So I, when I saw that, I was like, that, that, that word means something deep to Sal. That was my hunch. Am I, yeah. am I onto something or no? No, you, you are, you are 100% onto something. The, um, for me, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm Italian. I, I, out of New York, you got to be loyal, right? We cut your, we cut the palm of your hand and, uh, you know, it's a Casa Nostra. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> your, your listeners are probably like, this guy's crazy. Um, no, for us, I know that while my name may be on the door, while I may be the front man, I might be the one doing interviews and, you know, videos and, and stuff like that. There's not a day that goes by that I don't have appreciation and respect for the work that the people behind the scenes are doing to make all this happen. These are people who are here with me until eight, nine o'clock at night. Um, that's loyalty. They're not looking at a clock and going, it's five o'clock, I'm out of here. They see the job, the task at hand, the work that has to be done, and they're here in the trenches with me doing that work. And it, it really stems from this. And, and feel free to use this any place you want. I believe there's two types of people in the world. There's a type of people, shit's going to happen. Stuff's going to go wrong in your business, right? You're going to be at war. It's a battle. Uh, it doesn't matter what the battle is, but you're going to be in the trenches. And there's two types of people. There's the people who are going to hit you over the head with a shovel to save themselves. And then there's the people who are going to help you dig. They're going to stay in the trenches with you and they are going to win this war with you. Those are the people that are on my team that I will go to hell and back for. And that's what you're sensing out of that statement on my site. As you say that, I bet a lot of people right now are scanning their communities. Those people, those men and women they spend the most time with, and they're asking themselves that question. <laughs> would, is it, would this person hit me in the head with a shovel or will they help me dig? And the truth is, I'm sure folks right now are identifying quite a few people that would hit them over the head with the shovel. You got to get rid of those people, man. They, they, can't, they can't be in your organization. They can't be in your life. Uh, I, I really do believe they are destructive personalities um, to the point where they could start corrupting the mindset of your loyal team um, because, because it's just a very cancerous uh, mindset to have. So we, you know, we've had some bad hires uh, and we try to make sure we do what we need to do to get rid of those people uh, because we want to protect the sanctity of team. You know, like Peyton Manning, you know, didn't win Super Bowls uh, or Super Bowl by himself, right? I mean, any quarterback gets glamorized. They're the ones who are, you know, on the, on the, covers of magazines and things like that, but they will always thank their team because the team is who's putting that ball in the end zone. The team is who's protecting them. Um, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of that sports mindset 
for me as well. And, and I bring that to the workplace, which is very interesting because, you know, I've got a team of creatives, which creatives are not inherently competitive. And so I'm trying to bring that competitive spirit, you know, to winning and, and crushing the competition, uh, you know, in a, in a healthy way. But, you know, I want them to feel that kind of fire in their belly. Yeah. And as you describe that, you know, of course, it's obvious that you have high standards for the work that you do for the men and women that, you know, get the opportunity to work with you. And primarily, we've only talked about behind the scenes, but, but just briefly, the way you just described the loyalty, the high standards, the folks who are willing to help you dig, my hunch is that has something to do with why this studio out of the St. Louis area is able to, like you said, beat out some major names, not just for state work, not just for national work, but for international work as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the feedback. It's so funny, Antonio. I'll have these conversations with CEOs of, I mean, dude, eight, nine figure uh, businesses. And they'll ask me, they're like, how do you, how do you find your people? How do you, how do you get people to put in the effort that they're putting in? And, you know, I never really have a, a good answer because it's not something we've got on some sheet of paper uh, where we're like, okay, check, you know, green hair, check, you know, the tattoos, you know, it just doesn't work that way. I think what ends up happening, and this is totally off the, off the cuff here, I think what ends up happening is people find their tribe, right? When those right people find their way to you, they don't want to go anyplace else. They're happy. Um, when you find those right people, you don't want them to leave. You're happy as a, as a manager. Are my employees going to make mistakes? Of course. Um, and those mistakes will be dealt with, addressed, but that doesn't mean I want to get rid of somebody because they've made a mistake. And likewise, I mean, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw things up. I hope they don't want to get rid of me, but I don't know. We'll have to check. Maybe there's a mutiny, uh, you know, on, on one of the floors in the building, but you get my, you know, the drift of what I'm saying. I got it hundred percent. And you know, my last question for you is this, um, we talked about a variety of things and I've absolutely loved this, this conversation. We're gonna have to do it again. Anytime is, brother. Yeah. We, we talked about the best thing to happen to you that wouldn't necessarily show up on a resume or come up in a conversation the question I want to end with for you, Sal, is how do you ensure the best is ahead of you? And the reason why I asked that question specifically of you is because you're a man that has been so successful building an amazing photography studio and then went on to create an amazing magazine that provides amazing education for photographers and business owners all across the globe, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Um, and now you're pivoting, even doing something totally different. You're starting a, you know, a sweet shop as well. And I'm not, not to get you to specifically talk about the sweet shop, but obviously there was something that there was a fire in you starting this new endeavor. So that's a long winded way for me <laughs> to ask you, Sal, how do you ensure the best is ahead of you and not behind you? The answer to that is a little bit of soul searching for people. If you can't, reinvent yourself continuously you will get stale your business will get stale and it will die eventually and all we have to do is look to our normal lives hey i have a train coming you want me to pause nope it's part it's part of your hood let's do it let's hear okay. it i'm okay i'm okay with it all you have to do is look to your your normal life to realize that what was in vogue five years ago is different than what was in vogue 10 years ago 15 years ago and the businesses, I mean, come on, do you remember the flip phone, right? I mean, you remember the, uh, you know, the Blackberry. Uh, these are all things that were like hot items and then they weren't, right? And then the iPhone came along and, you know, here we are. Then there was the, uh, 
the CD, the A track, the cassette, uh, you know, not in that order. Not, now they don't even make computers with CDs or DVDs anymore. So now while these are little tech gadgets that every listener can kind of relate to, you've got to apply that to your own, to your own business, to your own mindset. What's next? If you're not asking yourself every year, what's next? You're already going in the wrong direction. Mm. And something that's, you know, from business school and my time in corporate, we used to do this every year. It's called a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunity, threats. And I would encourage every listener, just Google that. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but it forces you to assess where you are today and where the opportunity lies in the future. And if you're not doing that every year, I promise you, your business is probably struggling uh, or if it is successful, you're not even really sure why you're successful. And I think those are very important things to incorporate into your, your team, uh, your business, if you're going to ensure that, you know, you're successful five years, 10 years uh, from now. I don't want to be that guy who's failing. I was great back in my day, you know, reflecting on the glory days. I want to continue to evolve my, uh, my business. And now we're expanding into uh, another creative industry, food. Uh, with the sweeter side and it's uh, family recipe cookies and uh, you know, direct mail cookies and biscotti and uh, you know, all sorts of uh, yummy and delicious treats, Antonio, that will help you and me gain plenty of weight. <laughs> and I'm curious, just in case, and I, I can already see it, Sal, just in case you ever decide to make a, a cookbook, do you know anyone that could shoot the uh, food? <laughs> exactly right. All I know is this, hey, Antonio, this, uh, the sweeter side, it may not be successful. I don't know. Of course, we're planning for success, but it will have the best photography of any restaurant out there. <laughs> I can't wait to get to St. Louis to try it out. Sal, th this conversation, we could keep going, but you dropped so many gems that the listeners are going to love that I personally love. For folks that want to learn more about you, uh, your work, where would you like us to send them to? Yeah, send them to salsincata.com and uh, it's going to be our photography site. But look, I, I just want one last piece of advice to your, your listeners. At the end of the day, we all have dreams. You got to chase those dreams, whatever they are. You may not be dreaming of being an entrepreneur. You might be dreaming of being a, you know, a regional director at your bank or wherever, wherever you are, whatever your business is. All I want to do is encourage you that is to not let the roadblocks that will be placed in front of you on that journey set you back. Just look at them as that. They're just a hurdle. You just got to jump over it. Uh, and when you get to the other side, you will laugh at how that little tiny hurdle behind you was tripping you up. So you just got to keep pushing forward. And I promise you, you'll find your own success. Well, that's a beautiful way to end. Keep jumping over those hurdles. Sal, I can't thank you enough, man. I'm so glad we reconnected. And I look forward to talking again really soon. Amen, brother. Thanks for listening to The Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.